Pop Shield, a long-form discussion podcast about musical topics both past and present. I'm Gabe, and I'm joined as always by Dan. Hello. And Derek. Hello. We are back after a short break. Sorry for the delay, but we've all been so extraordinarily busy that we couldn't even agree on a topic until we didn't have enough time to prep. Um, Right when we got our shit together, though, Phil Elverham dropped his first album as The Microphones in 17 years called, fittingly, Microphones in 2020. And I seized on the opportunity to make these guys do an episode on a related album that I've been wanting to cover since we started this podcast, The Microphone's iconic 2001 LP, The Glow Part 2. Fear not, we're going to save some time to talk about microphones in 2020, but I really want to dive deep into The Glow Part 2, and more importantly, to try to figure out why this album seems to keep rising in estimation when every other lo-fi indie folk album keeps falling from critical favor somehow. As always, I think it's best that we start with our previous experiences with the album. So, Dan, how much time have you spent with uh, Phil Elverm in general, the Glow Part 2 specifically, and what do you think about all that? You know, uh, the, the microphones and uh, Phil Elverm, they're, they're sort of a, a plunder for me. Like, I, I, I've listened to mm. this album before. I, I first got it, like, you know, when I got into Elephant 6, you know, I was looking around checking out yeah. the other you know lo-fi indie kind of stuff and, and i got this and it, it's basically been on like every ipod uh and, and zune that, I, that i've ever had I, and i've yeah. listened to it you know but I, i've never like dug deep I've, I've never i've never come to to love it um it's the only microphones album i've ever, I've ever listened to i i've and the only other phil album i've heard is the uh two mount eerie uh records that we've covered on on previous podcast um so i i'm i'm kind of kind of the uh the the new newbie here wow for once um what about you darren yeah so you know i came to know the microphones during high school um it was sort of introduced i feel like as sort of one of the very first real like underground types of bands i had just never heard of you know what i mean had never Mm -hmm. heard anything about it just kind of seemed like you know where do they even come from um and upon like listening to the glow part two um i kind of got a sense of like i i honestly didn't even think that this was like big enough to be published anywhere or like on like pitchfork or anything i just didn't you know (laughs) they just didn't it didn't seem that way it kind of came out of left field and uh that was just sort of how it was presented but um you know, I pretty much instantly fell in love with it. You know, it, it was definitely uh, during a time where, you know, I was into, like, writing music and stuff. So, you know, finding something yeah. that is, like, so lo-fi and so, like, you know, seems like you could just do this in a bedroom or on your own, which is kind of, like, what we were doing, um, was, like, incredibly inspiring. You know what I mean? Um, and it yeah. sort of has always sat in the back of my head. Like, I feel like I have, like the idea of the album and we'll get into this i i suppose the idea of the album was like something way different than maybe the actual sound of the record you know what i mean um song like song wise but uh i've always loved it i've always come back to various parts of it um over the years what about you gabe yeah i have kind of like a complicated history with this album as you might remember darren yeah. like when you hated it when yeah, when we were all getting into it, I had this like instinct, like this gut negative reaction. Real bad, I remember. It's it's something with me where like if I if I really hate something when I first hear it, like I'm either gonna hate it forever or I'm gonna like fall completely in love with it eventually. I don't know why. <laughs> I think I talked about that with like the Captain Beefheart episode as well and stuff. Um, but I think my problem was that like, and we'll talk about this obviously, but it's like the first three tracks are these like just absolute knockouts right 
And then it like kind of drifts off into this weird, like, I felt like it was so hard to get all the way through the thing. And there were other songs I liked. And I was just like, why did he make this so difficult to fucking get through with like these little like, you know, just foghorn sounds like constantly going through the thing, and, you know, whatever. And, um, and it wasn't until like quite a, quite a few years later that, uh, I finally kind of got into the whole thing and I was like, you know, happily sitting through the entirety of my warm blood, the last track, you Jeez, know? Um, wow. <laughs> and, uh, so anyway, it, it was like a long process, but it is, it is like a very long time favorite at this point for me. Um, so having gotten that out of the way, I think we should try to describe just the overall sound of this record, and we'll kind of parse it out into all the different aspects of it. Um, maybe, Dan, you can do the honors of describing it since you are a sort of new listener. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the obvious, uh, you know, description for it is, is lo-fi. You know, it, it definitely sounds like something um, just kind of made with, with what's around your house, you know? Like the, uh, you know, obviously there's this guitar you know, drums, but even the, the drums sound very like uh, amateurishly recorded, you know, uh-huh. the, the, the like compression on it's like really bad and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And th- there's sometimes just like instruments or whatever that just kind of, you know, sound like maybe they're toys, like, like, I think it's a ukulele or something. Um, there, there's something, I think it's on the gleam. Uh, it sounds like, uh, um, oh, what are the, oh, steel drums or something, you know, but, but mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you know, just sort of sounds like, like maybe like a toy steel drum or, or something like that. Um, you, you're getting like a real, you know, DIY, uh, kind of feel here. Uh, you know, I, I, it, it, it really does sort of, like seeing you know like i I, it really made me think of like elephant six like not in a bad way like he's ripping it off or something just like you know it really like brings those kind of like feelings to it like like if you told me that this was a elephant six record you know that you know was on the outskirts i i i would believe you you know if i didn't know uh about it but um yeah Yeah, that's something i kind of want to like you know return to maybe a couple times here because it's like it does seem to come from the Elephant Six world, and yet to me, there's something like very distinctively like Northwestern about it. Yeah, like it's yeah. kind of like a like a damp, like mm-hmm. earthy quality like to it. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, so how would you describe the overall sound, Darren? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I, I get this like sense of like cool mountain air, kind of exactly what you were you know describing, outdoorsy sort yeah. of thing. Um, you know, there's also the almost like a campfire type of vibe in some cases, right? Um, yeah. so, you know, songs that are just literally, you know, filling a guitar, you know? Um, right. And, you know, I feel like there's a lot of kind of like experimentation in a way with sound and different methods of recording, you know, um, yeah. song by song, even like the, those first three that you mentioned, like they vary, um, you know, in terms of like how they change, how other instruments enter in, you know, where he places his voice. Sometimes you can hear him fairly well. Other times he's like literally mumbling under the music. You can't really understand what he's saying. You know what I mean? All of this stuff mm-hmm. I feel like is like intentional. And, you know, a lot of the album kind of deals with just sounds, you know, um, a lot of like space and kind of like ambient noise uh, throughout. And then, almost whenever he feels like it, he comes in with a song with some lyrics and, you know, sort of resets the tone and then goes off in a different direction. I mean, you go literally from like, I felt your shape, which is just him and a guitar to just this loud busting through like 
guitar distorted guitar yeah. you know song with samurai sword i mean it's it's kind of a a wild trip um in some yeah, ways yeah i think that's like to me the most striking thing about this is there are these huge extremes yeah. on this record mm-hmm. where it's like the most blown out distorted like noise rock basically and then like the most sparse and tender you know what you would call like indie folk sure. kind of sound um it can often just sort of like change on a dime, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's like, you know, kind of a crazy uh, combination of like the most sun style, like droney guitars and stuff just sort of layered into like this very delicate plucking. The other thing I think we got to mention is a lot of play with like, I guess like a lot of play with the stereo field here. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of play with like some of these acoustic guitars are, you know, it's like some of the notes are on the right channel. Some are on the left. There's often a bunch of like guitars that seem to be like harmonizing or playing just different pieces of a, um, of a single, you know, note or something. It makes it impossible to try to like play by yourself, like on a guitar. (laughs) Yeah, so it's quite like, I mean, are there any other genres you would throw in here? I mean, people like to say, you know, kind of like indie folk, lo-fi, with a touch of black metal or something. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you guys would add there? Um, I, I, I don't know, um, but I, I definitely do get like the, the black metal, uh, you know, thing in it. The the, the drums like very much give, give that, um, you know, uh, stuff like mayhem and all that's like recorded, you know, on a because uh you know uh, uh boom box or whatever good thing in the word um you know has that uh, same sort of like really like compressed like kind of feel on the drums and the the cymbals like have this like really uh i guess kind of tinny quality and uh you get this you get that on this on this record a lot especially like that samurai sort you know the that blast that hits you at, at the front and everything but other other genres i i mean i think that kind of sums it up for me what, what about you I mean, would either of you object to like emo as a genre a little bit? Uh, I mean, in the sense that like the songs have emotional quality, but I I don't think yeah, it, you yeah, know it doesn't yeah. make me think of like you know Midwest emo or anything like that. Really, when I listen to it, I, I mean, I get why, especially like you know when this came out, I could see it getting kind of lumped in there. Um, but yeah. T- to you know, like back, early Modest Mouse has like that emo touch, that Midwest emo mm-hmm. touch to it, you know? I-, I feel like something like the same thing going on here. I guess maybe a little bit, but, you know. Do you object, Darren? No, no, I, I think I would agree. And I-, I think a lot of the lyrics, you know, though I think you can interpret them in different ways, can easily be seen as like, like you mentioned, like very tender or like emotional or like longing, you know, searching, like a- the sort of things that... I think you look for in, you know, other emo songs that may be a, li- a bit more superficial, but still trying to deliver like some sort of, you know what I mean? Like sense of longing, I guess, is kind of what I what I think of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, OK, just trying to trying to get an overview. I think we should zero in a little bit on the production, maybe first and foremost here. Um, you guys, you you'd both touched on it, but like the really interesting play with like mixing you know i always think about like the song um uh god what is it my roots are strong and deep where it's like extremely blown out kind of tape distorted like piano um his double track vocals also very very distorted in that way um 
and it's like it's like the compression is so maxed out that mm-hmm. it's like it's really like warbling in your head like it kind of like fucks your head up like you would be like wow you you put way too much compression on this but it adds a lot to the track in some in some way you know or like you know i think you were sort of alluding um to the moon darren where it's like this wall i mean it almost turns into a shoegaze song like oh yeah yeah you have these you have these kind of like plucky guitars this kind of like you know what is now kind of considered like a classic microphones thing where it's like some of the plucks are in the left some of the plucks are in the right it's bouncing all over and then it just gets overwhelmed by this wall of like shoegazy distorted organ and stuff i it sounds like the guitars are still going and are not on tempo with the song you know what i mean like if you listen really closely his vocals are so buried in there Mm -hmm. like so soft Mm -hmm. and hushed um did the did like the production and mixing kind of strike you like it did you know me and darren back in high school dan or do you feel like you've just heard maybe too much of this stuff at this point to be surprised no, I mean, I, I, I liked it. That, that's definitely like my favorite part of the record, I think. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a, like an audio nerd. You know, I, I like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and really, I was thinking about like how he, he made this and how much work it would have been. Because in 2001, you know, doing it on the computer, you know, you could probably do some of it on the computer, but like not nearly as like, you know, well as you could today. So I don't know if he used like the, you know, the, the standard lo-fi, you know, Tascam four track or whatever, but just, right, right. I mean, to, to do those plucks in the different channels and, every, you know, like, and, you know, like, like Darren said, when there's like multiple guitar, you know, like he, to do all this by yourself is like, uh, you know, a lot of work. And, uh, you know, I, I really would like, um, to to know you know i like i would read a book on like you know exactly what he did or, or whatever oh yeah um, for sure you know that would be like yeah. super interesting so like really the production to me was like the most interesting part um you know I, I i've always talked about like i don't i don't really care about lyrics that much so like things like that to me are like way more interesting and uh you know just just finding like the little uh, you know tricks or or you know whatever i did read a little bit like some of it he just like plugged a, a tape player like right into his guitar amp and stuff like yeah, i mean yeah. that little little like home tricks that you can do like that are um it, it's like stuff i like to try to figure out and you know it's just it's just like such a cool thing to like use what you have available to you you know yeah it's it's interesting because um you know we didn't talk about it but it's like like for me, I, I I don't consider myself like a full-blown Phil Elverum fan just in the sense that I, I I love everything that I hear from him and I even love like a couple weird ones that just I randomly happen to be listening to. Um, but he has like, he has a lot of stuff that I just have not spent enough time with and his sort of earlier like pre-Glow stuff, like if you go way back, um, he, he's, it seems like almost a project about recording you know like i think Mm -hmm. that's where the name the microphones kind of comes from is like his obsession with actually recording equipment um you know like how do you square that darren because it's like it's weird that he is still like i don't even know how to ask this it's like the album is as much about recording equipment as it is about his emotional devastation you know what i mean yeah, yeah, and I, you know, even before, because I, we'll get into it with, like, the new microphones in 2020, but, you know, there's a lot revealed, like, in that song, but even before mm-hmm. kind of hearing his sort of process and thinking about that, like, I, you know, I, I was always sort of amazed at how, you know, and I think about this with a lot of artists, like, the decision-making 
right with songs and stuff when you're sequencing right. and like you know why does he choose to bury his lyrics here why doesn't he have any lyrics there or why is you know why did i felt your shape end up just being him and a guitar you know what i mean right um, right it's always like so fascinating and like i i just got the idea or like got the feeling that he just loved tinkering and trying different things and you know uh, to him it's like well, I guess to everyone it would be like creating art, but it's just, you know, it's just something where it's like he's just experimenting with a lot of things and like he's not approaching this with the sense of like, I've got to make sure I've got lyrics, I've got to have a verse and a course or anything like with any sort of structure. It just kind of happens, you know what I mean? And Yeah, it has that sound, I think. And it's like, yeah. to me, this is like almost the central question uh, that I really want to ask you guys is like, when you listen to this album, do you think like that kind of ramshackle off the cuff indie try anything quality or do you hear like perfectionism like a, a tinkerer to the highest degree you know what i'm i mean like no, you, isn't it weird how you you kind of hear both here yeah i know I, I i completely agree i i think a lot of it is like the tinkering thing and like you know when you say like the drums are blown out or whatever like it it, it very much seems like a, a like a choice like he wanted it to sound that right. way you know it, it never seems like oh he just fucked up and said yeah whatever leave it you know it, it like right really never feels like that it just kind of feels like it really like kind of it, it seems like somebody who's got like all these ideas in his head uh, a limited budget and and like being able to like the, express those ideas like with whatever is around you know like you know maybe he wanted like you know real you know harsh you know big boom and drums or something but like you know that that's a very hard thing to like mic up and and everything so you know you go with the compression thing and it sounds real cool you know you get something else mm -hmm. and you know the distortion from from a cassette tape player like i i think i read that it was like just one from the thrift store you know like right it, right it, it's that like i don't know it never it never feels like haphazard it, it always feels like even even the you know quote unquote you know mistakes um feel like intentional you know yeah yeah, yeah like, I, I wonder what you think darren because it's like you know you hear the acoustic guitars on the moon or on i felt your shape right it's like he could have probably done a better take i think because there's like so much buzzing and like bum notes and sure. stuff on the acoustic guitar you know and it's like you know what i mean is that like exactly how he liked it or is he like where on the spectrum of ramshackle and perfectionist is he yeah, I think he leans closer to perfection, right? And, you know, I think this is something that I find kind of unique about this album being a, a lo-fi album, that I really enjoy it more on headphones. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's got a real headphone experience right, to yeah, it when right. you're listening to it. It doesn't, it doesn't work quite as well, I feel like, if you're in the car or just kind of listening out loud on speakers. You know what I mean? I mean, it's fine, but it's cool to listen with headphones on. And sometimes lo-fi, it doesn't really matter because you're not dealing with somebody who is tinkering and you know making very specific choices mm -hmm. about what goes in this channel and that channel so you know listening to it on headphones is like you know it's like listening to the beatles white album and listening for all the extra sounds and stuff that's usually difficult to hear otherwise um that's one of my you know personal yeah favorite I, things about this record you know i i completely agree i mean the, the being at home you know uh you know with covid and everything like working from home i i mostly have just been listening to music like on uh, a little like speaker that i have um you know i i really haven't been using headphones that much 
Um, so I, I, you know, I started out like listening that way. We, we like drove around, you know, for fun or whatever. And I listened to it in the car, but then, you know, I finally like got around to listening outside in the yard. I almost took my shirt off. Uh, and, and, (laughs) and, uh, you know, I wore headphones and I, and I like really like you know, you could you could just you could see those like panning things like so much more, and then from that point on, I uh, I like exclusively only listen to it in headphones. You know, and I I kind of like uh, wish I had realized that earlier on. You know, yeah. So, and I'm kind of curious actually. Like, was there it was so it was just random? Like, you put it on headphones, and you're like, wow, look at all this going on. Or was there something about it that you were like, I should try this with headphones? Oh no, just like literally, I was uh, like. Uh, edging you know edging my yard <laughs> and so i was oh, with, your, with your shirt off yeah. <laughs> i actually had put my on shirt. some microphones and edge yeah you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing a little yard work <laughs> little edging um yeah well I, so i was gonna ask actually because um pitchfork in their 2001 review and by the way this is kind of a funny anecdote in 2001 they reviewed this album um they actually made it their album of the year back when they had like just 20 albums of the year that they did in 2001. Um, it got a 9.2. Then in 2008, uh, for this like reissue with bonus tracks, it got a 9.3. So there's evidence that it's just climbing and climbing. You know what I mean? Um, just like I said at the top, but in the 2001 review, uh, the reviewer wrote, Hearing the record on regular speakers is like staring at the Grand Canyon through a Viewmaster. And a lot of people call this like the ultimate headphone album. It sounds like you you might agree, Darren, but do you feel like if you don't listen to this in headphones, you're really not even hearing it? Yeah, you know, and I'll, I'll, t- I'll give you a perfect like... Uh, example of that like I had a friend buddy of mine in the in the car um, and I was listening to this record and we were listening to I believe it was um, it was I think it was the glow where it has that like distorted um, drum sequence there towards the end right and he's like what is wrong with your speakers like, <laughs> it sounds horrible you know what right. I mean and I'm like yeah I, you know it, it, it didn't it doesn't sound great it, or it doesn't sound as dramatic i think coming through speakers but when you have headphones on and you can really just kind of hear everything happening in the build up to that moment um it's definitely a, a different experience yeah i think you're talking about the end of i want wind to blow yeah maybe like, maybe so yeah it's funny because i i was having this kind of like feeling like probably most of the time in my life until this time i was listening to this album like predominantly on like you know ipod headphones or something and um and so this is like the first time that i was really listening to like a, a with nice headphones and everything and it was like i almost felt like it worked better on the ipod headphones because like the distortion just blew up like the whole track like just completely overwhelmed it and um had kind of like a i don't know an interesting effect in that way um now it's like i can actually hear everything like really clearly and that's just one instrument in the mix is the blown out drums um <laughs> But um, okay, I want to I want to kind of return to that. But another question I have is like, when you hear the use of lo-fi on this album, like, do you think pragmatism? You know, like I always admire these artists, like um, you know, like Elliot Smith or something, where it's like they he's kind of like like he he doesn't want to record in lo-fi. You know, it's just that he has to. And he's like doing the absolute most he can with what he's got. You know what I mean? He's like, um, he's like pushing on the very limits of what can be done with like a 
you know, four track tape recorder mm-hmm. or something. And then, you know, you see as he like gets, he, he gets like more successful. He, he leaves it right behind, you know, the whole lo-fi thing. Um, you know, do you, do you listen to this album and think that like, this is a guy who's got limited means and he's doing everything he possibly can with it. Or do you hear it more like, this is a guy who likes the sound of lo-fi and he could have recorded it better. He knows a shit ton about a recording, obviously, but he wanted these, you know, sounds to be completely blown out sometimes, or he wanted the compression to go crazy here. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's probably a little bit of both, you know, uh, like I, I doubt he had the budget to, you know, record at Abbey road or something, but you know, yeah. I, I think you're right. You know, he, he probably, he seems like he knows enough about it to, to, to not blow the, the drums out and stuff. But I think when he right. does it, it, it's definitely like he, he wants to, but it's also, I think a lot of, um, you know, just using what you have. Like I, like I said earlier, you know, like some of those like kind of, uh, uh, toy sounding instruments that that get used you know like you know maybe he would have wanted i don't know some you know, strings or, or you know or orchestral things or so you know in his mind yeah, but like yeah, he, yeah. he doesn't have access to that kind of stuff so you get that like uh you know sort of pragmatic thing i i, I don't know like lo-fi and and this record like in general like it, it, it gives me like a lot of like you know feelings like like folk art does you know it's like these people that like they, uh, they have these ideas they're not you know always the the best trained or don't have the like you know um you know m- most equipment or, or or whatever but you know it, it just they gotta get it at you know it's it's gotta pour out and so you you make do with with what you have and uh i i, I like feel that a lot here you know mm. yeah i always i always like this is something I struggle with. Maybe you remember this, Darren, me complaining about this. But <laughs> when I first heard this album, I felt like he was, you know, not like authentic lo-fi that I had already come to kind of love at that time, where it sounded like a choice to me. And right, for some reason, right. I had I a problem you, with that. I remember you arguing about that quite a bit. Yeah, <laughs> I always thought about like, you know, in the glow part two, the track, the title track. You know, when he like does this, this really long, like, uh, you know, he's like yelling uh, kind of. And it's like the mic is distorting and I would think about that in comparison to two headed boy by mm-hmm. neutral milk hotel. And there's a point where he also yells and it distorts. And for some reason, when I listened to that, I thought that was such a great take that even though it distorted, they had to keep it, you know, whereas uh, the microphones guy turned the gain up so that it would distort when he did this. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I had a problem with that. But, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean, Darren? Like, when you listen to this, do you think, like, these are all choices or he is working with limited means? Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's definitely choice here, right? I mean, come on, we were we were in a band. We, you know, we had, like, somewhat limited access to go to a local studio if we really wanted to. And I'm sure that somebody like Phil could have, if he wanted to, you know, get himself into a studio or fix himself up with what he needed to at least record something slightly better. But, you know, I think part of like the approach and in, in making these choices, and we talk about this all the time when we compare albums that have that like studio sheen, you know what I mean? Like there's a, there's something that, that's a little more genuine, a little more real, um, realistic about, you know, not trying to use like the highest, you know, budgeted uh, studio or equipment or whatever. Um, and I mean, sure. Like there's definitely, clear choices that like you know he wanted it to sound distorted right or he probably took multiple takes and was like it's not distorted enough i want to, i want more so like, <laughs> right, you know right. um but that's you know that's like a it's like a choice but i don't feel like it's you know disingenuine like by doing something like that Does that makes sense 
Yeah. I mean, what do you think, Dan? Do you have like any, any ethical problem with that? You know, like if it was somebody like, I don't know, someone real famous. Yeah. If Taylor Swift was like, (laughs) oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make a fast cam four track. I'd be like, okay, (laughs) you're like a literal millionaire. And like, then, yeah, Yeah. I have a problem with it, but it's like, could, could Phil have made, maybe gone to like, you know, a, a, you know, half-ass studio or something like, sure. But I, I don't, I don't think there's a, a, you know, even, even if you like, like Darren said, like he, if he does this taking, he's like, ah, not enough distortion. Um, whereas like, right. I mean, you, you brought up two headed boy, like, uh, that song two headed boy part two, that is literally the first take, uh, like of, of that song because it is like, so, uh-huh. so great. If you turn it up really loud at the end, you can hear, uh, Scott say, holy shit. Cause it was so, yeah. so crazy. But, um, you know, like, I don't think it's like, I don't I don't think there's like a disingenuousness about like, you know, doing it again if you didn't get enough distortion and you wanted that, you know, like, uh, I mean, is it any different when if you like play guitar through a distortion pedal, but you know, it like wasn't right, quite, you right, know, is, right. is that really any, any different if it's like tape distortion or, or a pedal doing it, you know, I, 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 yeah. I think as long as like, it's not somebody like, um, you know, I can't think of the word, but like, like, t- like taking on the genre that is completely appropriated. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Exactly what it was. That's a good yeah, thing. exactly. You like I said, you know, if it was Lady Gaga doing it or Taylor Swift or something, like, you know, get fucked. But I'll allow, <laughs> yeah. I'll allow this. Guy. I don't know. It kind of baffles me to like think back about my reaction because I don't feel that way at all anymore. You know, I feel like, wow, this is so creative because I too love the sound of lo-fi music. I think it's like that, like weird you know tape distortion all like all the mm-hmm. tape hiss and stuff that's on here like the little pops and like the it's almost like a you know what's that asmr i can never remember the order of the initials but <laughs> you know sometimes he's like so close it's like popping and stuff and mm-hmm. like I, I you know now i just like so admire that he was just like so this is like the language of lo-fi and i'm just going to use it for my own purposes and it's like yeah that's fucking cool and yet yeah. i would also draw the line somewhere like at taylor swift making a lo-fi record for some reason that would annoy me would that annoy you darren um yeah probably because you know just like you guys mentioned i mean she's it it would just it just would not feel genuine at all you know what i mean um in fact i I feel like she would still be in like a really fancy studio just purposely trying to like put a filter over thing you know what i mean it wouldn't feel the same way like part of like what you know the charm of like uh the microphones are like neutral milk hotels the idea that like they're just like in a house or just some a bedroom somewhere like you know you imagine like cables and stuff everywhere like i could never imagine like taylor swift doing something like that you know yeah yeah i don't know i gotta do some like further soul searching about this because it seems kind of hypocritical why it's like why it's cool <laughs> that phil elverham just like did whatever he wanted with the lo-fi sound and i would have a problem with like some rich person <laughs> doing it um so you know all this stuff like this production stuff and we're going to dive into the lyrics and more about the individual songs and stuff but like to me like you said dan i think the production and the mixing and stuff is like the most mind-blowingly creative part of this album and what do you guys think it contributes to the album like you know why did he split up guitar riffs into like you know two channels all the time and why did he you know why is he burying his voice sometimes i mean like what what does all this do to it i mean i think like why he did it and stuff is is that that tinkering you know, thing we talked about. Like, I, I think it's just like things like that just sort of seem like a guy who likes playing with that kind of stuff, and then it happens to sound good. You know, I don't, I don't know if there's like yeah. some some grand, uh, you know, design in it or or whatnot. 
I guess I'm trying to, it's like maybe a leading question, but it's like a lot of people describe it as like somehow world building or something, you know, it's like, you know, people write stuff like, and I'm tempted to do the same where it's like, oh, these guitars all over, you know, bouncing all back and forth around my head. It feels like I'm in, you know, I'm in like thick branches myself going through the forest or, you know, like I could see that. Does it feel like, does it feel like this maniacal tinkerer just happened to make like a bunch of like nice indie folk songs? And you've got those two worlds, or does it feel like, you know, all one piece to you? Like, this actually is important to the whole experience. Oh, I mean, it definitely feels like uh, one cohesive, like, uh, experience. I don't know if that's, like, you know, by uh, intentional design, like, when he started out, you know, or if it just, you know, was, was stumbled upon or, or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think it does give it, like, a, a, a grand cohesion. What do you think? What does it contribute, Darren? I mean, I think it's central to the record um just o- alongside all of the sounds the tinkering the recording everything we've been talking to uh, talking about up to this point you know what i mean um i just get this real sense that you know there's a feeling that he's after and he might start with that musically and then he writes lyrics or comes up with lyrics to kind of go along with that but then there's there's definitely a focus on how do you deliver those lyrics you know like do i put myself front and center here or do i bury it and is there you know, is there meaning behind that? And I, I, it changes your focus as a listener, you know, and to me, it's like, you, you, you mentioned like the language of lo-fi and I kind of, I really like that analogy because, you know, it, it's like taking something that you're aware of, or even taking, you know, a bunch of colors to paint with and doing different things with them. You know what I mean? Maybe you're putting in a certain color and you're masking that color for some reason. Like there's, there's usually something behind all of that. And it's hard to describe you know, a visual piece, or it's easier to describe a visual piece, I think, than like the way we're trying to describe just music. But I feel like the same thing is happening, right? Like he's deliberately choosing on the moon that he's going to bury the lyrics here. And, you know, he wants the listener either to seek out what those lyrics are or just kind of understand that maybe it's not so much about the lyrics, it's about the feeling of the music. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah I just feel like, like when I listen to this album, it's like the, the, sound like the sonic qualities are equally if not more important than the like lyrical themes and stuff um but you know and it you know i can never quite figure it out why that is it just feels like the album is just as much about like sonic you know building these like weird soundscapes i mean it even goes into like a weird little drone section we'll talk about um i also think about as we kind of transition to the lyrics and stuff there are parts of this album that I think make like more sonic sense than thematic sense, you know, because does it feel like we kind of enter this like sort of dark, dark little stretch here. And it's like kind of weird that I'll not contain you is like right in the middle of that. You know, it's like a, it's kind of like a nice, pretty acoustic thing. Um, and it's almost got like a sort of uplifting, you know, you, you just like if you're listening the first time, you just kind of feel like, oh, OK, we're emerging out of the other side of that. And then we go to the gleam. And it's like, dun, 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 dun. you know, it's like, oh, shit, he's still depressed. Um, <laughs> so sometimes I feel like it's just like, you know what? This isn't like the exact mood thematically, but for this all for this sound world to work, I need to like switch from overwhelming blown out drone track into this soft little acoustic thing you know for for some reason um so let's talk about those lyrical themes maybe darren you can do the honors here how would you describe the stuff he's talking about yeah i mean it's um 
it's always sort of been a mystery to me. You know, uh, I think early on I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the specific lyrics, you know, but um, uh. I keep coming back to the moon because that was really one that I was like, you know, you really can't. I really just did not understand what was being said and <laughs> yeah. got more and more curious. And it was one of the earliest ones that I was like, all right, let me look up the lyrics and kind of see and everything. And, you know, uh, it's kind of hard hard to describe. I feel like even now to this day, I don't necessarily feel like I'm, I get it or like I'm on the inside and I know what, what exactly is being, is going on here. You know, um, it's really, it's so much more about like just feelings and like how I sort of feel as I'm listening to the music and like what I'm sort of interpreting, um, from how he is singing. Right. And like a sense of longing or like, you know, the way he like looks at the moon and like talks about like a relationship. Like it does, like you mentioned depression. Like I, I definitely get that sense too, but, um, I mean, Phil has written much more depressing uh, <laughs> stuff than this. Well, you know, I, I guess I'm kind of surprised because I, too, spent like years just never looking up the lyrics of this album and just like had this kind of overwhelming, like just experience of like the feeling. And then it was really like this week it was the first time that I'd like read, you know, did a couple of like read alongs, like just reading every lyric and stuff. And it really seems to me, I wonder what you think, Dan, that like almost every song is about a breakup and he's like 20 he's in his early 20s very early 20s when he's writing this and you know i get it i remember that headspace but like a pretty traumatic breakup and so like something like the moon i guess i was just surprised because you know I, i would normally listen and so much of it is buried and i would just catch little lines here and there and i'm like oh he's thinking about the universe and stuff but then i'm like reading the the lyrics and it seems like he's basically just going to different places where him and his girlfriend had been together and trying to like make a new memory of being there alone so that it doesn't, the old memories don't bother him or something. I was just sort of surprised. Like how did you get this Dan? Like how, like it's kind of just a breakup album. Yeah. I mean, I luckily like a lot of the lyrics are buried and stuff because like I said, you know, I, I wasn't as familiar with the record. So I the first like week or so I, I spent with it, I I didn't look up the lyrics. I you know, I just, just listened and, and grabbed what I grabbed. But then I I did what you did. I did some uh some read alongs on, on, on the old genius and whatnot. And yeah, it, it I liked it better when I didn't a hundred percent, you know, like know what he was talking about because yeah, it does just sort of become like a little breakup thing and you know, it sort of made me think. We we've talked about it before. Like some records, like maybe you don't enjoy because you didn't, you know, hit them at the right spot. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you know, I'm I'm 30 and married, and uh, you know, a breakup album isn't like really, you know, what what headspace I'm in, uh, you know, or anything. Um, so I was sort of like glad to not uh, <laughs> not 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 catch them, you know, uh, uh, without yeah. without trying to, you know. I mean, to me, it was like he, he, this is like a guy in deep in the throes of a, uh, breakup at age 20 or something. And, um, he is very, very articulate and like writes beautifully, but what he's describing to me are like feelings that only like people in their early twenties have. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, I wonder what you think, Darren, there is a lot of like, just general, like even if it was inspired by a breakup there's a lot of like existential soul searching and like feeling like disconnected from the world around him or something, you know, recognizing that 
know, he's like, you know, like I felt my size. He's like trying to think about, I don't know, think about himself as like a planet or something like some huge celestial object that like matters or something. And he just can't stop thinking about like how insignificant he is. So, I mean, do you feel Darren, like this is the kind of album you got to listen to in your early twenties, or do you feel like there's a lot here that, you know what I mean? That kind of goes beyond that. Yeah. It's a really good question. Um, I feel like it goes beyond that though. You know what I mean? Like even looking at the lyrics, like I'll take one song in particular, like I felt your shape. Like that's just probably my favorite song on the record, which is just crazy. Cause it's just him and a guitar, but it's just one that I've <laughs> yeah. just kind of always loved for a very long time. And again, I mean, this is like more or less talking about a girlfriend or t- talking about some sort of relationship and how he felt about this person or how he hung around them like independently, but they weren't really there. You know, like it's, it, it's not like blatant, like sappy to me, you know what I mean? He seems to inject some, you know, some level of poetry, you know, soul searching, like he had mentioned before. Um, and it's very much like, uh, being like on the inside of somebody's head, you know what I mean? Like kind of like hearing them internalize these feelings in a way. And sometimes it's really difficult. I'm, I'm kind of just thinking of to myself about like what it takes to try to write lyrics. Like it's really difficult, right. To like express yourself, but not do it in such a blatant, obvious, cringy way. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like he, he seems to, to balance that fairly well on a lot of the album. Yeah. I feel like, like I, I was just kind of like wondering as I was reading the lyrics, I was like, why isn't this cringy to me? And I was thinking, like, is it because I came to like it when I was Maybe, in my early yeah. 20s? And I certainly, you know, I, I certainly related to some of the subject matter here back then. Um, but now I almost think of it kind of like one of these recent Mount Erie albums where it's like, this is Phil Elverum describing his headspace at age 21 or whatever. And I am just like listening to a story written by this guy. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's not cringy because he's not like oh, this is what it feels like when you get broken up with. He's like, <laughs> right. I, f- I thought about this. I felt this, you know? And right. I'm just like, well, okay, and he, I'm reading this very troubled guy. Yeah, he, he like questions himself. The end of I Felt Your Shape is like, I don't know, my nights are cold and I remember a warmth and I could have sworn I wasn't alone. Like, and it just ends on that thought like of just sort of being unsure yeah. of things. And to me, it's so much easier to connect with something, with someone who is admitting that they really don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, does that help it for you at all, Dan? Like to think of like have a little distance, you know, like you're kind of just reading a story by this. Yeah, guy. no, exactly. Because, you know, th- this I-, I-, I wish I could think of like a good example, you know, but it's it's not like something that is, you know, like so blatantly, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know, childish or, or uh, you know, teenager, you know, sort of lyric. It is like sort of well written. And yeah, it just sounds like it's like an actual, you know, uh, story or feeling. And like, yeah, he was early 20s or whatever when he did it. And, um, you know, like, I mean, yeah, I can remember feeling, you know, that way and stuff. Right. So, yeah, I think I think it's definitely like the the way it's it's written i I really wish i could think of like a a bad example uh, of something well i was thinking about like for some reason modest mouse right we talked about like uh, a modest mouse record not that long ago and i was talking about how like modest mouse was the deepest shit ever to me when i was (laughs) like like blew my mind and i was trying to think like well what's the difference because now like some of his like ponderings about the world and the universe and stuff like kind of uh you know are a little cringy to me now and you know, he just, it seems like 
in modest mouse songs he'll just be like oh the you know the universe works this way like the stars are just projectors yeah you know? it's like, like a this there's is like how a it definition is. to it <laughs> yeah and i'm and at the time i was like wow they really are just <laughs> like if i if i stop agreeing that stars are projectors yeah i loses the force for me you know what i mean like sounds like you're describing a religion or something here (laughs) yeah but like yeah if if i just like if i am not in his same headspace it no longer works whereas here it's like i can just be like this is his headspace i always know it's his headspace yeah and you know i just feel like i'm like i'm at a bar or something and there's some like you know just destroyed 21 year old like pouring his heart out to me and i'm like damn dude that that sucks man i remember that but uh, it'll get better but like for for some reason it it it, it doesn't like cringe me out it, it's i thought it was like really interesting and might explain which we'll talk about like why you know its reputation continues to grow um i also want to ask about the uh sequencing here you know you guys kind of mentioned that it is cohesive do you have any temptation to say that it's, you know, like a little samey, the album? Yeah, a little bit. I, I mean, I, I think that is like a criticism I have with it is like the length, you know, it's a, uh, it's an hour and six minutes and there's not that much diversity here, you know, like, wow, while each individual song, you know, he's using different stuff, the recording techniques can, can be different. It's still like, you know like we we talked about earlier you know it's basically all from the same palette you know uh, it, it it is like sort of a world building album and i kind of feel like for a little bit you get you're in this world uh a, a little too long uh there's definitely like things that i would would cut um i, th- I think it could be knocked knocked down quite a, quite a quite an amount <laughs> interesting yeah I, by the time i got like fully into it in my early 20s uh, of course um i you know, loved every second of it, basically. And this week I found myself a little surprised. I was feeling like, damn, this record feels like even longer than an hour and six minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what do you think about Because it's like a criticism. I, I just like one of the main ones I read is that it, it is a little samey. Do you agree or disagree, Darren? Um, You know, I, I kind of sort of agree, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, I like this world. I don't feel uh. tired tired of it you know by the time you get to the end i feel like you know i like i like it right i like where i'm at but i do agree that the middle section you know can be a bit of a struggle you know what i mean like just in terms of like how quickly things change and so often i feel like i don't even know where i'm at in the album until you know, another song I not I'll not contain you comes on to kind of remind me yeah. a little bit of where right. I'm at or and then like I felt my size. Like, okay, now I know I'm like getting closer to the end here. Um and that, you know, that's that's been my biggest problem with the record for a long time. I remember, you know, at the top of this I sort of described that like the idea of this record, like thinking about this record, like I'm like, this is a ten. Like it's just a ten in my mind because of uh, all the stuff we've described up to this point. But actually listening to the whole record, you know, track by track all the way through like there are there are just parts of the album that I'm just like I could do without. That's just that's just it. Yeah. I think it's really strangely sequenced, honestly, because you start off with these three juggernauts, and I know I'm not the only one in the world that like it took a long time to, to get, get past, past these three <laughs> yes. songs. Oh yeah. Like they're the three like most fleshed out, like most composed, like most inventive songs. Like they're all just like masterpieces. Right. And then 
it you know i think like headless horseman and my roots are strong and deep are like great songs but it just kind of settles into this territory where it gets into like an almost ambient drone album for a mm-hmm. little while um you know something like the mansion is like you know just these like n- non-tempoed strummings mm-hmm. you know and him just kind of like singing over the top of it like he you know the vocal could be sung over any you know any strumming chords or something you know and it's just like very drifting, very ambient. Um, and then I think it's so strange that we kind of like emerge out of this, like quite long, very dark, like often instrumental drony thing into like, when you get to, you'll be in the air, you got like eight just fucking slappers in a row. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden I, I always think like when I'm listening to this album, I start to like check, I'm like, damn, which, you know, which something am I on? Like, God, this is really <laughs> yeah. <going> forever. <laughs> and then I look and I'm like, Oh, I'm pretty close to you'll be in the air. And then it's just like, you know, two minute track, two minute track, two minute track. Like <laughs> right, all right. great. I think it's a little weird. Like, what do you make of that, Dan? Like, what is up with like this? What it like one third of the way into the album, it comes to a grinding halt. And if you can get through that, you get a bunch of snappy little tracks. Yeah. I mean, I guess I can like understand like the, the, uh, you know, sort of droney instrumental thing, you know, like maybe that is part of that world building, but, but it's in a bad spot you know like it's too it's too early to to, to, to throw you into <laughs> yeah. that and i mean really that that section is like too long i i just think like we don't need both somethings and the instrumental i mean especially so close together because i i mean i think there's good like moments in it like i i really like like individually the song the gleam part two yeah like you know it's yeah it's like a swan so you know just that like downbeat you know kind of thing um I, like but isn't it kind of weird like how the first something has like this kind of like celloy sound and it is the melody from the gleam you know mm-hmm. and you think like oh you know we're in concept album territory you know where it's like it comes back like in full form but it comes back like three yeah, songs exactly. later is that weird no exactly and then and then there's just like the other instrumental track is like way at the end you know it's it's yeah i, I don't know it, it is it is a weird like i i would basically chop that section down <laughs> quite a bit if i was if i was president <laughs> I mean, what, would you would you like touch anything darren or you feel like this is just well, Let's not mess with it. I mean, I probably wouldn't want to mess with it. You know, I would love, you know, maybe some more information. Maybe there's information out there that exists where he maybe explains some of the decision making behind the sequencing and everything. Because I, I do think that if you suddenly start chopping things away, maybe that feeling of like when you get to you'll be in the air will not be as impactful. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. If you if you chop down that middle section and you go from like those first three or you know even my roots are deep and just jump into another song yeah you know yeah. maybe they they lose a little bit of that impact so you know it's i have it i have a hard time thinking about really cutting things other than maybe like shortening things maybe that would be something i would yeah. consider I, I just feel like it's it, it's almost like a like the first half is like a pansonic record or something like a <laughs> indie folk record that slowly turns into just a drone album or something and then like for some reason we pop out the other side with you'll be in the air and we're back in like kind of the indie folk you know touches a noise rock territory for a while um you know it's just weird it feels like the end of the album and then we're like kind of continuing on to some other like postscript or something and yet i will say and i wonder if you guys feel the same that 
My, I think my favorite part of the whole album is the transition from I Felt Your Shape into Samurai Sword. You mentioned this earlier, Darren, but like it's the most tender, like the most beautiful yeah. track here. It's the only one you can like really imagine, like, I don't know, Iron and Wine or like some one of these indie <laughs> folkers, you know, playing it sure. or whatever. And then it just fucking rips your head <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah. And like l- lyrically also, it's interesting because it just feels like it feels like a couple points here. He's like pretty depressed about this breakup and stuff. And he's trying to relate to things. He's, you know, this and that he's trying to find other ways out of it. And it's like, you know, it just seems almost like he comes to a little understanding on I, I felt your shape or something, you know, it's still a little bit of a sad song, but it's like a little bit more, just a little bit. He's, he's getting it or something like I, I, you know, I didn't really know you, like you had your own things going on or something. Yeah. And then samurai sword is like this metaphor about, a bear waiting to fucking kill him while he's like hiding in a tree and he falls out. And then my warm blood is about him. Like, you know, he finally got what he wanted, which is that this bear ripped him to fucking shreds. And now like bugs are eating his blood and he'll finally be part of the, of nature, you know? And it's like the most shockingly dark ending. You know what I mean? It's like, just, I'm like, all right, you're getting there. I felt, you know, I felt your shape. That's nice. (laughs) Boom. Like he's fucking having suicidal fantasies. Um, What do you guys make of that ending? Do you you love that as much as I do? Yeah, I liked it. You know, it it really like kind of, I don't want to say it's funny, but you know, it like, it's an unexpected like ending, you know, like it, 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 I think it makes it special in the sense that it's like, you know, you you sort of either expect him to like stay depressed or like, you know, come out of it. And he's like, you know, I didn't I didn't need her or something. But like, uh, you don't expect him to be uh, eaten by a bear. <laughs> <laughs> right. What do you think, Darren? Yeah, no, I think it's it's pretty dramatic. Um, and I, I think it's a an interesting way to end it. It seems very Phil like to to kind of go there. Um, you know, he sort of loves telling stories kind of like that you know um and so i you know i absolutely love i felt your shape i love the sort of question that it leaves you with but i do love the fact that like we sort of get like an answer or we at least get like a clear ending here like dan you sort of mentioned it could have gone really well really swell right off into the sunset kind of thing (laughs) or it could end in like brutal you know death which is kind of what it did so yeah it's just like you know god i'm trying to get through this you know i even feel like in the gleam it's like you know marching on like this kind of it's like a funeral march but it's also a little bit like you know i'm gonna climb this mountain and all this shit and then it's like you know what fuck it i just want to kill myself um i i I don't know why i like it so much um and you could kind of imagine like a different version of this album that ends with i want wind to blow or something you know with that like nice melody kind of riding along and then it just ends with him like and the wind did blow you know or something like really (laughs) shitty but i I like i I like that ends really darkly but the thing though i should mention before we get added uh to death is that it kind of does end with i want wind to blow because you can hear it like very faintly under the heartbeat of his dying corpse as he's being devoured by bugs um what on that note what do you guys make of like the unifying thing here which is this like i don't know what to describe it i call it the foghorn because he said it was inspired by the foghorn sound you can hear during Twin Peaks um, at Pete's house specifically. You know what I'm talking about, Dan? Yeah. Like there's just like that horn sound going all the time. And he compared it to that. I think it sounds a little synthetic, though. You know what I mean? It doesn't like sound like a field recording of a horn. It sounds like a dull electronic sound or something. I mean, how would you even describe that? And why is it running through the whole album? Yeah, I mean, it... it- I think you're right. It doesn't like sound uh, 
specifically like a, a field recording or anything as to why i don't know i mean maybe like that was his uh you know thread to make it a concept record or something um, uh, you know I, I i'm not sure what do you have any explanation theory yeah there? i mean i always thought of it like i kind of imagine it as that's the representation of like the glow like a glow but like the sound oh, wow. that, you know yeah, i sort of good <laughs> pretty easy right you remember those you know those like little uh ball things that have like electricity you know going out like all oh yeah it, like, yeah usually look at it i have one of those <laughs> so, on my like, amp <laughs> <laughs> and you know like the sound that's usually played to sort of represent that sort of movement that's what i always think of when i hear that like it's just like it's some zapping yeah. like electricity or something it's weird huh, yeah yeah very twin yeah peaks. <laughs> I, my, my sort of theory that is you know it's just you know whatever like it's no better or no worse than anybody else's but is it like I do kind of think of it like a foghorn or something, and it just kind of like makes me think of the real world or something. He's got this like huge, you know, emotional storm going on inside of him, and it's just like every once in a while you're like, "Oh, this is a guy like standing in the woods, and there's like a you know logging uh factory like nearby." You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. kind of like like it just seems to contrast like this is just quiet and there's like it's like tape hiss but it almost sounds to me like passing cars maybe or something and it's like you know it's just like when you snap out of it you're like damn i was having like a moment there and <laughs> i'm just a guy in the woods actually you know I, I, I don't know i just feel like that almost works with the theme here is like that he he is having like this whole inner world that is like totally disconnected from the kind of boring what mundane world that's around him um I forgot to ask, um, would you guys call it a concept album? I mean, I feel like it's a concept album. It's not exactly like a full story, but would you guys describe it as a concept album? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think there's, there's a, a cohesion enough. So, you know, like it, it's, it's at least like one of those world building albums. And I think like you could pretty much give that the, the, the concept idol, uh, uh, album title if you want, you know? Well, what do you think, Darren? Yeah, I mean, I think it's fairly linear in the sense that, like, the theme kind of persists throughout, you know? I don't... Mm. There's definitely albums out there where we listen to from one track to the next, and it's like, yeah, this is just self-contained tracks, you know, laid next to each other, and that's not at all what this yeah. is, you know? From, like, I Want Wind to Blow to, you know, My Warm Blood, like, I feel like they're all related very close to one another, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess most people do describe it as a concept album, and I, I think in the sense of, like, it all has, like, very similar and connected thematic material, it definitely yep. is, but it, it's just a little surprising that it's, like, it's not, like, a grand story or anything, it's just, like, sure. you know, sad, 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 <laughs> sad, a little bit better, nope, sad, 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 kills self, you know, like, that's the <laughs> that's the dramatic arc there, but it is all kind of, like, of a piece. Any other highlights that we maybe did talk about already or didn't talk about anything you want to single out as like a real highlight in this record dan oh i mean like i said i i, I think like it's weird to say because it's the the section i was like uh complaining about the most but i i really do like the gleam part two as like its own thing mm. like that that's maybe my like favorite like uh, song uh on its own i don't think it works like well where it is but um i like that mm. i mean i the you know those first couple tracks like like you guys are saying you know it was sort of hard the f the first handful of times I was listening to it to like move past that you know and all um but yeah I I, I don't I, you know I don't think I have much much else to add yeah what about you Darren 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we spent a lot of time kind of talking about, I feel like, the moon and, like, uh, I felt your shape. But, like, really, you know, I Want Wind to Blow and The Glow Part 2 are just such phenomenal, like, they're just masterpieces. I I yeah. feel just as excited listening to those tracks as I did the first time. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's almost like I can yeah. just never get tired of them. Like, when The Glow crashes in and then he just, like, breaks out with the guitar and kind of, like... His, his voice sort of off. cracks yeah, he's taking his yeah. shirt off his voice cracks like it's just <laughs> it's just you know it's like kind of like everything that i sort of wish it's just one of those things where it's like being somebody who enjoyed writing music back in the day like you just aspire to that it's like wow this is everything i wish i could do and it doesn't seem so hard to do he makes it seem easy it's like impossible like there's no way yeah, to ever yeah. match that you know it, it really does give you that feeling of like i could do this and uh it's actually really hard but yeah yeah, I, re- I remember being like hugely inspired by uh, like I Want Wind to Blow in the sense that, you know, it's like this, it's basically like this beautiful, you know, the, the, it's like two parts. And the first part is almost like there's, there's literally a guitar just being like, one note, like the whole time. And the second part has this like really beautiful melody. And it's like just kind of doing the melody. It's like really lovely when it switches. And it's like, how should I end this? Like, I want it to end big. I'll just keep doing this part, but way louder. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like, it's not like Godspeed or something. You got to like compose like some, and it just felt like liberating to me to hear that. Like, oh shit. Like if you just like, sometimes just two parts is enough for a song. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. sometimes the big crescendo is just add some like completely blown out drums to the thing you were already playing. And that works just as well as trying to write some like, you know, big emotional payoff or something like the emotional payoff is just the same thing, but just bigger or something. You know what I mean? It's like, and, and different tracks like, um, God, what is it? The, um, I felt my size in particular where it's just like, you know, there's a part where this kind of weird, like very elephant six style, like singing saw sound kind of comes in like, wee, 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 wee. <laughs> and it gets overwhelmed by this droney distortion. Then, the drums and everything disappear and it's just a drone. And then the drone gives way to like just clean piano chords. It's like changing every bar. And I was just so like, you know, damn, maybe you don't like have to choose. Like if you've got like five good ideas, just do them like one after another, maybe it'll work. You know, I, I just like was really inspired by that. Um, uh, oh yeah. I also wanted to highlight just real quick. Maybe my favorite song is I want to be cold, which is just such a masterpiece in the sense of like it's a total noise rock track like very sonic youth or something yeah very again very soft vocal and then i just love how like everything drops out and it's just like a little strummed acoustic guitar you know like again such a like inventive song structure i think that really blew my mind back then but still sounds fresh um any other like kind of low lights or anything i mean outside of just that kind of Drony stretch any any lowlights for either of you guys no i think that's really the only like thing i i would change i i think everything else is you know pretty pretty good at least um yeah i mean i don't think there's much to like really complain about like in an entire song i mean i think there's something charming and, and interesting just about for everything on here even those instrumental tracks but you know just thinking about it as a, in totality it's it's a bit some of it's a bit difficult you know and my warm blood i mean yeah <laughs> once you get past yeah once you get past the main part of the song i True. mean you know i gave i'm really interested in hearing how 
why you love all of that and continue <laughs> to listen to all of it. But uh Well, I think it was it was that time in my life I was like, you know, just feeling this so much that I was like Imagining yeah, yourself just off. being eaten. <laughs> yeah, I'm just dying. <laughs> my blood is, you know, pumping for the last time and like uh, for some reason I'm hearing myself sing I want wind to blow like really in the background um <laughs> you know like in my dying thoughts uh I don't know how to justify it anymore to be quite honest it's like I you know pretty much rarely listen through the whole thing if I'm being completely honest like I love that that first part you know it's yeah. like a, I think yeah. a great yeah. ending um but it feels to me like the end of on Avery Island, which we talked about in a previous episode oh, where yeah. I love, I love that effect. I love the transition into that like huge, crazy drone thing. I'll listen to it for like three minutes and then I'm not going to finish it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. No, that that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, it really reminded me of pre sisters swallowing a donkey's eye. Um, and at first, you know, I was like sort of pissed off about, you know, this, uh, you know, my warm blood on here, like ending that way. Um, but then I, you know, I thought, and I remembered when we did that, Avery, I was like, I was, I was pro pre sisters. So I'm going to be pro, I'm going to be pro. Got to be consistent, consistent messaging. Yeah, exactly. At least it's at the end, you know, if you, and the same thing with pre sisters, like if you don't want to sit through it, you don't have to, you know, it's just for the people who, who, who want to be there. So, you know, if, if that was in the middle of well, the record, walking to your car. Yeah, exactly. You know, like if that was in the middle, I, I would say horrible, horrible decision, but uh, yeah, you know, at least yeah. like you, you can, you can bail whenever you feel like it. Um, and yeah. And you know, like I was thinking, and I don't know if it is this way, I, I've never seen it, but, um, you know, like some records will have like the, the, um, uh, locked track, locked locked groove at the end. You right. know, go forever. You know, like it's it's cool. It's that that would be like a cool effect on here, and like maybe that's sort of what he's playing at by it being so long. You know yeah. that that it's sort of like it. You know, goes on forever. You know, um, yeah. I don't know because I I like you know I like pre sisters more because I like the idea of pre sisters as we talked about. Pre sisters is, like, is definitely like more composed. You know. <laughs> But it's just like the the thought of it, like, okay, it ends with this massive drone that just sort of like slowly trails off and falls apart. Um, it, it's like a cool way to end an album. You know, like, uh, God, what's that band? Clipping. I like that the album ends with 17 minutes of a piano just burning. I'm never going to listen all the way through it, but I really like that idea. Um, <laughs> this idea here, I can't say I like as much, just like occasionally heartbeat sounds, that foghorn going. Um, I want to be consistent. Speaking of consistency, where I complained a lot about the Billie Eilish album and how it's like the laziest thing ever to like add coherence to your record by ending the song with like little clips of all of the songs or something, you know, like remember this song, remember this song. And so I don't actually like love that you can like hear faintly like little bits of I I want wind to blow and like some other things just kind of underneath this heartbeat. a little unnecessary i guess if i'm just being totally honest um so before we move on to i've got other questions about like kind of just the big picture here the legacy of this album um and stuff to say about microphones in 2020 but dan maybe you can sum up your opinion or we all can on the glow part two i mean did you like this record did you love this record yeah you know i i mean like i said this this was a record that i've i've tried to get into like throughout you know my my 
teenage years. Uh, it, it never really stuck. And, you know, this time I was, I was basically like forced to, you know, <laughs> like I, I had to, I had to like learn it. Um, and it, and it was like the first couple times I listened to it, it, you know, you, you get through those first three tracks and then I, you know, it's just like, it, it kind of became a slog, but I did come to en- enjoy it. Um, I, I don't think it's a record that I'll like, you know, make it into my rotation or anything. You know, it's not like I, I found some great big blunder that I, you know, I'm now going to listen to all the time or anything. But, you know, I, I will say, like, I, I enjoyed the record. You know, I, I thought it was good. I, it's it's not some, you know, you know, big, big masterpiece to, to me or anything. But, um, you know, I, I did come to enjoy it finally. How would you rate it? Yeah, and also I want to know, like, I mean, would you call it like a lo-fi classic or something like that, at least? Uh, I, I maybe like a minor. You know, I could think of a, a bunch of stuff wow. to, that I like better. But I, I'd give it like a like Whoa. an like an eight. You know, it's it's good. Okay, Oof. tough customer. Um, I want to I want to I want to gauge Darren. I mean, I want to know like how it sounds now in 2020. Um, hey. but would you call this album like the equal? Of In the Airplane Over the Sea. I think a lot of people talk about it that way. Do you feel that way, Darren? Mm. Man, that's, wow. I had, wasn't expecting that. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I don't think so. I, I can't. Mm. No, I don't, I, I, I can't. Um, Aeroplane to me is like one of the, is a perfect 10. Mm. You know what I mean? Like through and through. Every single song on there is a 10. Here, wow. like we've talked about, you know, there's there's some stuff that's just kind of like, ah, eh, I could do without or maybe skip over. Let me get on with it. Um, but in my mind, like I mentioned, like the concept, the thought of the album has always been like, man, this is the 10. Like, it's so great. But then the actual listening experience going through the whole thing, like there's there's just a little bit of like hiccups, I feel like that I'm not as, you know, in love with versus other parts of the actual album. If that makes sense. Um, so, for you know, yeah. but. That being said, like this record is still a personal favorite of mine, and I think it always will be. The fact that it's kind of stuck right. with me all throughout the years and continues to like, you know, it just as you, it's one of those albums that as you get older and have different experiences, you also have different experiences with some albums like this. You know what I mean? Like it's, I'm, I listen to it differently now than I did back then, and that's mm. to me that's a testament to the greatness of of a record. So for me, this is like a nine point five. I mean, it's close to a ten. Um, it's you know, it's just not quite a ten for me. But I mean, still one of the my favorite albums. Yeah, I um, you know, I'm gonna still give it a ten because you know how I roll. But of course, just toss course. them out. I, you know, if you if you, <laughs> if you like something a little bit, it's getting a ten. <laughs> I do feel very strongly that this is like the definitive like indie lo-fi album like every everybody who's done home recording and you know that was very popular at that time like the kind of home recording thing like experimenting with lo-fi like studio as instrument in the indie world like I feel like yeah. this is the album that's gonna be remembered as like summing up that era and it and it has kind of influenced every other artist that's doing that same kind of like just me in the middle of the night tinkering um ever since so like it, it has like its place i think in musical history uh, but I, I was a little surprised spending so much time with it this week after not having spent as much time with it you know I, I listen every once in a while but like just not as much time as you know since uh my early 20s when i was really obsessively listening and then this week i was pretty obsessively listening and i just was a little surprised that it was like a bit of a slog sometimes 
in my early twenties, mm-hmm. I was like, I was with him. I was like, all right, let's, let's, you know, go through this very dark drony, like inner turmoil. All right. That's slowly bleed out over 10 minutes. Um, and I was just a little less willing to like be there, you know, and found myself checking the time here and there, but I, I still think it's like just an incredible album. Um, so why is it then since we were all a little bit like, uh, I don't want to say disappointed, but not as blown away maybe as we once were. Why is it that it, this album's reputation seems to keep growing? Like if you look at Ray Your Music, you can look at a little chart that shows like each year since I guess they started tracking this. I don't know when it was like 2006 or seven or something. Uh, maybe that's when the site started, but it's a little chart. It keeps going up every year. Just every year. This is one of the few albums, you know, it's fun to look at like, uh, like Kanye and Jay-Z's Watch the Throne, you know, an album that was so hyped at the time and yeah. people just don't really listen to it that much anymore. And you can see like this huge drop off. Um, so why is it that this one keeps, keeps growing in estimation? Cause I, I mean, I think like, you know, if I was 20 something now and, and found it, you know, like I, I might've, I might've liked it more. And I, you know, I could see why like somebody would find this record and, you know, be in the the headspace or whatever, and and really come to to love it and stuff like like you guys did when when you were younger and all. And I mean, even just the 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 bedroom musician thing, I I think you know has grown exponentially because of the the computer and the ease and everything. And so you yeah. know, it, it's I definitely get you know, and like I said, I mean, the production on this what is a hundred percent my favorite part of it. And I you know, yeah, I could I could see why it would like be ins- inspirational and uh you know everything so i it, it honestly doesn't surprise me that that it keeps growing you know it, it just it doesn't really have like a dated sort of feel to it or anything like um some of the other stuff we've like talked about you know um that we've come you know uh what was it good news for people who love bad news you know like that was like a record we all kind of right, thought was right. really good and then we, we listened to it again and you know it really sort of like when you dust off the nostalgia of it, it it's not quite as like great as you, you you once thought it was, and I I don't I don't feel like that this record uh is like that you know I mean it, it like like we say the the lyrics aren't like corny or like you know anything like that I I I, I think I I understand why it why it grows yeah what do you think Darren and also that that question um you know. I guess I should ask about the premise, but it's like, it seems to me that a lot of the stuff that's in the microphones world, the indie folk, the lo-fi has not like held up that well, you know, um, maybe it'll come back in style, but right now it just seems like a little, like that was, that was an era and it's quite a far way away. Um, so do you agree with that? And do you think that this sounds dated and you know, why, why doesn't it, why does it keep growing in estimation? Yeah, I don't think it sounds dated. Um, I would agree that some other attempts um, do come across a bit more dated. Why Why not this one? You know, I agree with you that um, this really is kind of like a classic. Like, this is a lo-fi, like the standard, almost, of which all other lo-fi albums have to be compared to, at least, you know? Um, yeah. And there's, you know, I feel like there's so much here that gives reason to or you know justifies it i guess i should say right and just like i was sort of describing before that feeling of like being inspired to want to write or you know feeling like you could do this too only to realize that it's very difficult you know then makes you realize even more like 
how much of a genius this guy is and like this how much more of a masterpiece that this is that all other albums not all but maybe a lot are sort of just chasing after like trying to attempt to get there and so to dan's point about you know people coming up now and having access to be able to record music and stuff i mean I could totally see people finding this and feeling the same way that I felt back then and even felt today. Like I could pick up a guitar and like try to do this. Like it's, it's just that good, but it also seems that accessible to to want to do that. So I'm not surprised to see that it's stock has continued to rise, continuing to rise. Here's a, here's a hot take that just popped into my head. (laughs) Let me see what you guys think. Okay. This album is the loveless of lo-fi. It's not the first lo-fi, certainly, you know, a lot of like a lot, you know, how like a lot of shoegaze kind of sounds kind of dated. It was like really mm-hmm. a, an era there. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, my bloody Valentine kind of just like killed the genre by just like doing it better than anybody else. And I just almost feel like this kind of just does almost everything you could hope to do with the lo-fi genre. And yeah, there's a lot that it's inspired. There's a lot of cool stuff in its wake and everything that, that it kind of, you know, but you could never do this again. I feel like, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I'll give I you that. That's a hot take. I mean, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. Okay. And also on that note, um, you know, I, I was kind of wondering, you know, it's, it's, it's weird and very like dramatic in the way that Phil Elverham is, um, it, that he, after this album, he does an album called Mount Erie as the microphones. And it's almost like a continuation. It's even like more grand and like absolutely stunning album. Um, and then he, I guess, I didn't even know this. He goes to a cave in Norway. He mentions this on the new song, Microphones in 2020. Uh, writes the microphones on a piece of paper and burns it ritually. And then um, becomes Mount Erie from then on. <laughs> and uh, yep. so it's like. I'm glad he explained himself. <laughs> it's and it's yeah it's always been a little strange to me like why he just right. gave up the microphones like why uh but he's been mount area ever since until now uh briefly but you know do you think that that adds to like the classicness here like it's it's almost cheating because it's like in the airplane over the sea where there's no more to listen to so it's like always got that kind of like masterpiece mic drop quality did he get away with doing that just by changing his name with the microphones? I think a little bit. I've always said if, like, you know, as much as I love Nutramilk Hotel, I really do hope there isn't ever a new Nutramilk Hotel record because it'll never live up. It'll, it'll, there's, it can only be right. a disappointment. And I've always said that if, if Jeff's going to release another record, like, either pick another name, do it as, like, a, a solo name or something, because then, like this, you know, you could be like, ah, oh, you know, it's not Nutramilk, you know, it's just, whatever you know you can sort of explain it away easier if it if it sucks or even if it's like just okay or or, you know pretty good um and so yeah i think i think he sort of gets away with it here a little bit um uh, you know i'm not faulting him for it i i think it cheapens it a little bit to to come back and and do a record like he did you know microphones Mm. in 2020 i I, you know come coming back cheating cheapens Uh it well uh but i mean before we get into that new album i mean what do you think about that first question, Darren? Like, do you think that he pulled off like sort of mythic status by retiring the name, you know, shortly after this and that that's part of the reason why it's such a all time classic? I mean, I think he did, you know, like I sort of have always looked at Mount Erie as being so different for some reason than the microphones, yeah. you know, I think we spend a lot of time talking about that when we 
talked about some of his recent records. Um, but like we, you know, really you could just refer back to like maybe the sound of his voice, but it just, it just seems like two different eras, two different bands, two different people almost. It's kind of crazy, but, um, you know, I think also the fact that it has been a long time. I mean, he, he very easily could have come back to the microphones during these last 17 years, but he did not like, it seemed like a pretty, you know, it seemed pretty decisive. Um, and then he did this year, which we'll get into that, but. I mean, I think he pulled it off, honestly. Yeah, it's, I, think, I just think it's like really r- remarkable and, and like clever in a weird way. And I do think that he's he's self-conscious about this, that like he he sort of recognized that he had accomplished something great with the Glow Part 2 and the Mount Erie album and that he like had to hang it up or something for them to become classics. If he, if, you know, if he made like just a string of microphones records after that that were like kind of lesser glow part twos you know mm-hmm, it would have been right. i think really damaging to this record um, but it feels sure. special so you know that being said did you guys uh sounds like you guys did get a chance to kind of check out microphones in 2020 i weirdly like listened to it a lot this week yeah i, I didn't listen to it a ton because i didn't want to confuse myself with with the first record uh, but i you know i i did check it out yeah yeah what about you darren yep i did listen to it um and i'm certainly glad i did very really I, why do you say that well, so here's what I expected um, going into this, right? A 44-minute track. Um, I was sort of thinking that we would just be revisiting, you know, the Glow Part 2 or some sort of, like, weird... <laughs> you know, I, I was just thinking that it was going to be more of that or something, you know? Yeah. But it yeah. turned out to be, like, a total, like, biographical, like, explanation for why the microphones <laughs> yeah. existed, why he ended it and why he you know how he felt what he was literally doing like so so there was and he does that a lot on some of those previous mount erie records right um Mm -hmm. it's very like biographical and exactly like here is literally what i did i was listening to this song watching this artist you Mm -hmm. know what i mean um and i was just kind of blown away (laughs) by that approach like and i i almost think like calling it microphones in 2020 is kind of a perfect title for what he does here yeah, because it's kind of like adding this distance to it. Um, sure, it sure. Really, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it is. It should be called like Mount Erie describes the microphones. In <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, like, that's pretty good. Yeah, and I feel like he's not even pretending that that's that it's anything other than that. Like because it, it's just just the, that title, like you said, it's like so matter of fact. You know, it's just like. It, it just adds like a sort of irony to it where it's like he's just talking about the microphone. So to me, it doesn't like tarnish the microphone's legacy at all because right. there is that distance. And it's so literally about making the glow part two and like yeah. why he decided to change names and stuff. And, um, you know, I I will say that. So he he's made this album about as difficult to listen to as possible uh, because he's opposed to streaming, which. You know, I understand. Um, but it's also one single 45-minute track. Hard to get and, a lot of streams for, for, for yeah, 45 yeah, track. Yeah, that's true. Imagine. That's true. He was like, why even bother? Um, <laughs> and it also, I think most importantly, starts with like eight minutes of just two chords back and forth. So Right, right. You, you know, there were several times where I put this on and I would, I would like get, you know, like four minutes into it. I'd be like, you know what? I'm not... 
I'm not going to make it all the way through this. Right now, so I will stop. And it just kind of forces you. It's like this like long intro just forces you to be like, you're either in it for 45 straight minutes or you're not listening at all. So I, it feels intentional to me, but it is quite a journey. I think, I mean, mm-hmm. it's almost like it's just these two chords back and forth the whole song, but in post he sometimes removes the strums and replaces it with like this kind of droney distortion sometimes like quite beautiful like kind of looping like organy soundscapes and stuff um it switches to like kind of more like a breakdown with like more gentle strums and stuff like that at points but it's kind of like just this pulse is running through the whole thing i mean did you find it enjoyable to listen to uh dan yeah i liked it you know i i I think he should have used the artist name mount erie and called it microphones Ah. in 2020 yeah i just i think that would have been cool one because there's a microphones album called mount erie you know um yeah that's true you know i I, that that's my nitpick on it but i did like the uh, the record or song or whatever you want to call it um you know i mean i i think it's cool to like you know make a 44 minute track um and I, you know, I liked the, the you know, that super long intro because, you know, it, it sort of, you're, you're right, it like forces you to be like, you're, you're in this or, you know, or get yeah. or get out now kind of thing, um, which yeah. I liked. And, you know, really, like, I, I mean, I think the Sun Kill Moon, like, uh, comparison is, is kind of obvious, um, but I think he, like, did it in, like, a really interesting way, like, whereas, like, the last couple Sun Kill Moon, you know, records have gotten, like, kind of you know what you get and it's kind of the same old thing and it's frankly gotten like kind of boring whereas like this um i don't know he like did it in a way that was like interesting the story even though like you know i i wasn't like a huge fan of the microphones or anything but uh-huh. it was still like an interesting story especially like the part about him like naming it microphones because he literally likes microphones and, and all you know like <laughs> yeah. i mean that was cool and you know s- stuff i can relate to or whatever and like you know, it it was like an, a story interestingly told enough that we're like a person like me who kind of didn't really care. Like, you know, I was I was in and, and paid attention and, and enjoyed it. I'll probably like, you know, listen to it, uh, you know, more throughout the, the rest of the year and everything. Um, I did it. I did enjoy it. Yeah. Did you find yourself getting a uh, rough and rowdy ways vibes from this, uh, particularly like murder most foul vibes? Because it's very like self-reflective about his own career and mm-hmm. you know the way murder most foul ended with like a hey dj play murder most foul you know this yeah. ends with like a, i think i'll call this record 20 you know microphones in 2020 like um it, it was very i thought it was like almost bizarre that that these two albums came out so close to each other yeah um, yeah i mean it, i didn't think of that at the time but um yeah that 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 makes sense i would he he I wonder when he recorded it, if uh, maybe, you know, he got a little idea. <laughs> oh, <here we laughs> I don't know how recent it was. Yeah. Uh, did you uh, did you like this record, love this record, Darren? I really I really liked it. I think I'm going to come back and keep listening to it. It was really cool to, to be listening to The Glow Part 2 so much, and then to come to this and realize that, you know, he's giving you all sorts of, like, insight to, you know, what he was doing at the time, what he was thinking. And it's 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 different than the globe part two in that he's so much more literal here like here it's like you're really down to the earth knowing exactly what he's you know trying to say and then you know 
it's it's really it's just so it's fascinating because he does he does call out that he's like split his life into two different eras you know he, he he deliberately tells you that like as far as the microphones are concerned he's like still the same like it hasn't really changed he doesn't really have any yeah. sort of answers um i like that he's not like dismissive of the stuff that he's probably embarrassed you know mm-hmm. in some way about like how open he is on that record but he's like just kind of owning it yeah yeah and i, I it's just such a <laughs> it's just such a brilliant way to like do that you know just to be to have already gone through and created these two different eras and then to have the ability to reflect on it in a way that you know in a song um it's just really seems really creative you know yeah yeah i thought that was really really creative really inventive um just really clever um you know i the way i felt about it is i i did really really like it i for some reason i just love his use of distortion um on the glow part two but also like on the um you know there's a song called distortion on that now only mount erie record um and I love those passages on this part. You know, I'm always kind of like, you know, it gets down to just the guitar strumming and I'm like, all right, this is, you know, this is fine. And then you get the like, you know, with like the beat comes in and like the distortion, like kind of is droning underneath and stuff. I'm like, oh, this is just so fucking great. I guess I'm a little disappointed the way that it, it just kind of ends like quite, it just like ends. Like, it's just like, he says one last thing and it's just over. And, um, it was so epic or something. It just feels like it deserved like some kind of send off. Um, but I, I, you know, I should mention that it's the, it's currently on rate your music, the top rated album of 2020, finally something dethroned Fiona Apple, which is ironic. I think because we talked about on the Fiona Apple episode, how all the stuff she was getting praised for, like the creative recording at home stuff. I just feel like Phil Elverham did it, you know, 20 mm-hmm. years ago yeah. um, <laughs> and, and better, but um, you know, not to knock it. It's a good album, but um but yeah, and it's it's actually it was ahead of the glow part too for quite a while, but it's finally sunk down. It's just like a few tenths of a you know decimal point below the glow part two now. Do you feel like there's maybe a little overhyping at all? Yeah, I mean, I think people are always sort of like reactionary, you know, like especially with with a band like that, you know, even though he's released albums, like still like using that name, you've always got like people are excited. Yeah, you, you get that excitement coming and. Uh, you know, I think it'll chill out. I, I, I think like the glow part two has like a, a legacy, you know, more, more, uh, built up that'll, that'll sustain it. I think, I think this will, you know, it, I think it'll definitely stay like one of the higher, you know, records this year, uh, which isn't hard to do. I see the third one is run the jewels Four. um, <laughs> yeah, it's been a week year. Yeah. It's been a week year. So, I mean, it'll definitely, I think, stay up near, near the top and, and, you know, I mean, I, I think it'll keep a good score. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, like it'll, it'll stay bolded, but I don't, I don't think it'll, it's right now it's at a 4.05. I don't know that it'll stay like that high, you know? Yeah. 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 Do, I mean, do you think that this record is at all worthy to somebody who <laughs> has never listened to the microphones? You know what I mean? <laughs> Like it really feels like yeah. you, if you if you don't have any idea, then I don't know if you're gonna get much out of it, you know? Yeah, I don't I don't yeah, really think true. so. And I don't feel like I feel like if you're gonna get into the world of Phil Alvarez, this is like probably the one last, of the last one you records see. you should <laughs> Yeah. Like there are quite a few better to start with um and work your way through. But uh but I don't know. It's 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 really clever and it's really cool. It just feels like a little fan thing. Like, hey fans, you know, I, I see you, you know, enjoy this. Right. And uh I, I, I definitely do. 
any any closing thoughts i'm glad we finally got to this record i've been trying for a long time lord knows <laughs> yeah no i mean it, it was <laughs> it was fun uh you know I, i'm glad i f- i finally uh dug into it mm-hmm. anything you want to add darren yeah i mean i you know i said quite a bit i i still adore that record um i think this microphones in 2020 is just you know probably the coolest thing you can do when it comes to like i guess sort of reuniting which is just reuniting yeah. himself i guess um, <laughs> yeah. um but but yeah overall loved it when are we gonna get acdc in 2020 oh i can't hey, wait they're working on an album actually <laughs> I, oh, I heard God. of course they're they working on one. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it'll be like a 45 minute self-reflective <laughs> kind of about the history of the band about all the yeah. times they sung about rocking <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then we rocked here. Then we rocked here. Then we made that song about big balls. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be really great. Well, I look forward to reviewing that. Uh, what do, What do you think? Uh, we'd love to read your thoughts on the air. You can email us popshieldpod at gmail Of course, next episode. Not sure if you love the show. Help us out. Subscribe. Leave us a five star review wherever you get your podcast. Stay connected. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all that junk at popshieldpod. And we'll see you in two weeks. See ya. So long.